Well, hello again, everybody. This is the Electric Jellyfish Podcast. Where everybody has a voice. You are? This is Shannon. And this is Chad. Welcome. This is, what, week three? Yes. Hard to believe we've been doing this for better part of a month now. And we're just now hitting our stride. Hopefully. And uh, this is kind of a special occasion for us because we are joined by somebody tonight that we adore. Absolutely adore. Uh, One of our favorite people walking the planet. Alex Darian, rock and roll realtor, is joining us. How are you doing, Alex? I'm great, and I hope I can live up to that introduction. Well, I mean, you know. Holy (laughs) schmoly, Batman. (laughs) It doesn't doesn't really take all that much (laughs) to live up to one of our introductions. I love it. Well, I'm really, I'm happy to be here, and um, it's kind of something that, you know, we've chatted about. It's it's one of these things that I need to be honest about. Shannon, I'm going to let you say it because you're the other female here. What What is my first time tonight? Yes, it's your first time. <laughs> we are popping her podcast cherry. And we will be as gentle... Or as rough as she likes it. That's right. Because <laughs> we're very oh, accommodating. We'll even take her to dinner that afterwards. Is wrong on so many levels. <laughs> yes, it is. Have you had enough to drink? Are are you are you light are you lightheaded enough to handle this? I think the audience is going to need to get a libation or five. <laughs> yeah. Well, God knows. Well, the the ice has already melted in my drink, but I've I've got mine right in front of the microphone. Mm-hmm. Mm. This is our kind of like our fallback cocktail when we're not doing the. Uh, well, we we've kind of had we we tried our well. You tried your hand hmm. at, at making. We're, we're trying to make a signature drink that will be the the perfect accompaniment to uh, listening to the podcast. Was because we always sound better when you drink. The more you drink, the better we sound. Um, <laughs> of course, and dance. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you know, she, we we got the stuff to to make what we were going to label the electric jellyfish cocktail or electric jellyfish shot, and it just looks like a, some sort of a blue massacre in a shot glass. <laughs> so, yes, it's kind of sad. Yes, he's 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 a he's a jellyfish that apparently swam through a propeller or something. So we're we're working on tweaking and perfecting it. If you're if you're good at making those, like Alex, have you seen those? What I think they call the zombie brain shots. What is that, and where can I get one? Well, I mean, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Every Seven Eleven will get you something that'll get you shit faced. Well, I guess zombie brain. Well, it's 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 like they pour. You know how they'll they'll pour um, like some sort of half and half or something over the back of a spoon, and it layers itself (gasps) onto the alcohol. Oh, okay, yeah. The one that I've seen. Most commonly, and it's usually served around, you know, with, I guess your 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 haunt of choice, no pun intended, when you for Halloween when they start making these creepy themed shots. It's something that literally looks like a, a clump of uh, it looks like brain material in a glass, Ooh. and all it is is just the cream that has just been captured by the layers of alcohol. So it like looks the like liqueur, yeah, or something, yeah. So it just looks like a yeah, it looks like the chunk of a brain or something. And, oh, charming! Yeah, I know. So there's a way of doing this where you can drop the 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 
whatever the clotting mechanism is, whatever right. whatever usually liquid it's you're a, using. Usually it's a heavy cream. And it makes like tendrils that that extend to the bottom of the glass, and it kind of looks like jellyfish tentacles. And Shannon tried like hell. <laughs> I did. After three or four tries, I was drunk, and I gave up. <laughs> Fuck it. Just drink it. Whoa. <laughs> By then, your brain, your brain was pickled. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot our names. You know, we didn't realize whose house we were in, and we were in our own house. So. Oh. Yeah. Snap. So the fallback cocktails, I guess, will be. We we what was it? It's Mike's Hard Lemonade that we were that we're basically making a homemade version of. It was a help me out here. It was a tangerine. It was a tangerine, pineapple, orange, Mixture. hard lemonade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fantastic. I love them, and they only Ooh. made them for a month last year, and I never saw and any. Yeah, we again. haven't seen them again. So we discovered this. Uh, it's mandarin mango. Yes, the mandarin is it? Is it mango? No. Yes. Whatever the hell. It's tangerine mango. Tangerine mango. And it's a sugar-free flavored water that you can get at Walmart. It's like super cheap. Mm -hmm. And then we got some pineapple rum and blended it together. (gasps) And it tasted almost exactly like the... The mics and I was like, "Wow, this is fantastic!" And it and it's low calorie. Yeah, sure it is. It's good for you. <laughs> well, it's got to be better than Mike's Hard Limited because you know they probably put a shitload of sugar. In oh, I'm sure they oh, do. Honey, you're 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 taking me back to the days of Bartles and James wine coolers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, hell, what a great freaking segue, Alex, because that's kind of right? what our that's kind of what our journey tonight's going to be all about. Uh, you know what? She just named the fucking episode. Ah. Back to the days of Bartles and James. That's good. Thank that's you for coming up with the episode name, Alex. That's great. <laughs> what what is what is next week's theme? Zima. Yeah. <laughs> Once we go to the nineties. Once we go to the nineties, yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah, the, we're what is it? The, the cocktails. Yes. Uh, what was the what? I mean, Zima is kind of like the stereotypical drink of the 90s where you kind of get made fun of if you admit to drinking it. And I guess I'll have to take a shot in the crotch because I drank that shit all the time. I never liked it that much. Well, it's, you know, it was was one of those things where you always felt like you could drink a shitload of these things and it wasn't going to get you plastered. That's true. So it was, it always felt like, yeah, if you want to get a little bit, if you want to get, if you want to drink but not get drunk, it's basically a drink of non-alcoholic beer. Mm-hmm. Pretty close, you know. Where they call us like having sex in a rowboat because it's fucking close to water. Uh-huh. I, I, hey, I didn't make that joke up. That's a Monty <laughs> Python joke. Okay. So, uh, anyway, since uh, and I, I guess we need to to give a plug to the other uh, cocktail of choice that we always like to fall back on the Liz Taylors. We haven't yes. had one for this oh, for the show. Those yet. are wonderful. Those were the drinks we served at our wedding. Mm-hmm. The ones that I actually had at Chad's birthday party, if you remember, Alex, the it was the the champagne mixed with the creme de violet. Uh oh, Alex, did we lose you? Oh no. Uh oh, we may have to stop. No, nope, I'm I'm still here. Okay, oh, okay. You're scaring us when you disappear. You know like- <laughs> I. I think what it is is when my when my phone is it goes on uh, like whatever screensaver. Oh, it, it, it cuts me out. So oh, okay, I okay. This yeah. alive and, and kicking. Okay, yeah. You might want to plug your charger in because we're probably going to be here for a little while. 
no, I'm plugged, baby. I'm okay. plugged. Okay. That's what she said. Anyway. Um, oh. oh, can you believe I live with this? <laughs> that was too easy. Is, is this where we get the drum roll and it goes, <laughs> Well, funny you should mention that because I just happen to have that uh, 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 ready to be used. So uh, uh, a little late getting there, but I got oh. that. Yes. <laughs> Better late than never. Or That's it, what she said. Or is it? Uh, <laughs> I, I guess in this case it'd be more like. But anyway. Ooh. <laughs> and, you know, and you know that never loses its cachet. No, it doesn't. No, no, it doesn't. But anyway, do, do you remember the uh, do you remember the Liz Taylors that we served at the birthday party? You had one, didn't you? The purple one. I did. You did. You okay? So that's. I and and I, I, I had more than one. I w- I won't lie. <laughs> yeah. They're so I, I good. <laughs> that was why I had to make sure the second time. <laughs> <laughs> We love that one. For those of you that don't know, that's it's it's one that we had never heard of until like the last couple of years. It was right around the time we got together that Shannon and I got together. We went to a wedding reception in Deep Ellum, and they were serving it. And it's uh, we we use uh, Martini and Rossi, yeah, Osti, Osti. Mm-hmm. Uh, mixed with <gasps> a shot. Martini and Rossi. Uh-huh. We oh, mix it with yeah. a shot of creme de violet, which is a liqueur I'd never even heard of before. No, but it's wonderful. It is fantastic. And a lot of people will uh, put a little bit of lemon, just a twist of lemon mm-hmm. in it. But I can't really tell the difference. No, and neither can I. So. And they usually put the rind, the peel mm-hmm. into the into the glass as a, mm-hmm. as a garnish. Uh, but it's it'll it'll kick your ass really fast. Oh, it's wonderful! It'll kick your though. ass a lot quicker than these well that we're drinking right now. So probably best if we keep those for special occasions. Is this one fucking you up? <laughs> this one's about half alcohol and half. Oh well, yeah. Uh, well, yes. When Shannon's your bartender, you get what you pay for. Mm. So keep that in mind if you want to hire a bartender. <laughs> because <laughs> she will not keep the booze cost down. But um, you know. Don't expect any fancy jellyfish floating in the glass because I'm just I just can't do that. No, we're trying, not for lack of trying. Mm. But anyway, uh, as as Alex so, uh, had so sveltly segued us into our topic, and then I completely fucked it up by plugging me, uh, Liz Taylor. Um, we are we're discussing uh, since we all grew up right around the same time. We're all, you know we're all children of the late sixties, mid, mid to late sixties, early seventies. So. We all grew up in the same era. And uh, I'd like to think that most people, I know we all kind of consider ourselves defined by the pop culture that we grew up in. Um, mm-hmm. With the, the movies that we grew up watching, uh, the TV that we grew up watching, and I think probably most importantly for all three of us, the music we grew up listening to. Yes, because you know when you're when you're young and um, a teenager. I mean, to me, music was more important to me than movies and television mm-hmm. were to me. That you know, I, I agree. The, the music of your of your youth, particularly your teenage years, your, mm-hmm. your high school years, pretty much defines who you are in high school. I mean, mm-hmm. fair or not, you know. Yeah, th- I know there are other things that go into to to honing your personality. But I know, just on based on my own personal experience, that 
before I got to high school, I listened to nothing but movie scores, classical movie scores, and hooked on classics and hooked on swing. I was a fucking twit when it came to, to music. I had no, you know, I had no game. About as much as my game was with you on our first night together, the my 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 taste my taste in music was equally as clumsy. So, um, and and then right in between the time you and I met in middle school and like those two years of junior high, that's when Thriller happened, and mm-hmm. uh, that kind of was my my go to because it you know let's face it who didn't listen to Michael Jackson's Thriller when it came out pretty much everybody did that's why it mm-hmm. sold seventy gajillion copies in eighty two and eighty three. But then, in 1984, my eyes were opened. Mm-hmm. My musical taste completely had a new focus. Because when Purple Rain dropped, no pun intended there, when when Dove's Cry started getting played on the radio, and then when Let's Go Crazy started getting played on the radio, Prince became pretty much everything to me. Prince's music became what really I like to this day, like uh, I'll never forget it. Like, you know, the, the anniversary is fast approaching of his passing, uh, April 21st, 2016. People still tell me to this day that when they found out, when they heard that Prince had died, I was the first person they thought of. Yes, you were. I remember telling Telling my cousin, Laura, mm-hmm. uh, I know somebody who's got to be really, really upset right now. Mm-hmm. And I almost contacted you then, believe it or not. But I God. thought, no, I'm not going to get into that. You know, I'm not going to disturb you when I know you're going to be that upset. Mm-hmm. So, and was that? Ev- like everything, every- everything that happened where Prince was on a on a national stage within the last like say you know decade plus you know decade mm-hmm. and a half when he played the Super Bowl halftime show or when he got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame there any time one of those events came up my phone would not stop buzzing are you watching this what do you think <laughs> like i knew he was playing the halftime show 7 8 months before it happened so people were acting like it was a big shock that he played mm-hmm. the halftime show i'm like i'm the one that told your ass about this what do you do you honestly think i'm not watching this Oh. Please, I yeah. think Alex. Did we lose you again? Did your phone yes. go to sleep again? No. Okay. No. You're I'm, being so I'm, quiet I'm back there. Still here. Oh, no. You, chi- just, you just have to, yeah. you know, wiggle into the conversation yeah. because we're, you know, we're not trying to be Mike Hogs oh. here. No, so. chime in. Well, you know what? <laughs> then, then I will, I will interrupt out at ad nauseum. Please, no please, please. <laughs> okay. Your voice okay. is valuable. Hey, hey! <laughs> this is the Electric Jellyfish Podcast where everyone has a voice. That's right. Well, remember this is this is my first, so I need to help. I need a little help navigating uh, the new waters. <laughs> well, they you know they are full of jellyfish, so be careful; they do sting. But uh, no, it, I I've been a diehard fan ever since. There has not been uh, a, a week in my life where I haven't listened to Prince in some shape, form, or fashion. And I can testify to that. Yeah, uh, I, not a day. No. I, I wear my fandom on my sleeve, sometimes literally. <laughs> That's for sure. It's true. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll at least wear it as a lapel pin or a or, or a COVID face mask. 
So I, I have. I, I wear my Elvis fandom on my back. I've had it tattooed since I was 21. Really? I have the most epic portrait. So, you know, if you can wear a T-shirt or, or, or like, you know, Hannibal Lecter's crazy skin person. You can wear it on your flesh. <laughs> you're the you're the you're Elvis's Buffalo Bill. I am. I am that. <laughs> well, you know, speaking speaking of Buffalo Bill and and movies, let's talk about some of those uh, films when maybe we were younger that we just thought were the schnazzle dazzle. Okay, and we watch them now, and we're like. WTF? <laughs> oh, why? Yeah. What? Like, why did I think that was the best thing ever? And now I look at it and I'm like, scratching my head, like, yeah, that didn't age what? well. That 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 aged like a glass of milk left out in the summertime in Texas, right? Mm. For sure. Well, what would you say is a prime example? What is a movie that you can think of off the top of your head that just did not age well? If you go back and look at it now, you're just like, oh god. Oh, okay. Uh, how much time do we have on this podcast? <laughs> as much uh, time as you want. You know, um, okay. So I'm going to say, okay, I still like the film, but it's not as great as I originally had anticipated. And I think I like it more because of the music. Flash Gordon. <gasps> Oh, she hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I that love, I love that movie. <laughs> I love Sam Jones, and I love Ornella Muti, and I loved that whole, like, little masochistic thing going on with her when she was being tortured. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love that film, but I watch it now, and I'm just like, rut row. <laughs> We're so not used to those kind of special effects anymore, because back then it was like... Mm, it was great. You watch it now, and I think we're jaded. I think we're totally jaded by special effects. Well, the way I've always looked at that film is that it is clearly a product of its time, and it's got a very because you got to remember this was this thing was written by the guy that wrote the screenplays for the Batman television series, and it was ripped directly out of Alex Raymond's comic strip, and it has a comic strip look to it. So I, even though you know, the the special effects were kind of still in their infancy. And, you know, they were making uh, a much more powerful film right across, you know, uh, right across the street from it, practically, when Lucas was working, Lucas and Irvin Kirshner were working on The Empire Strikes Back that was released the same year. There were some people, there are some members of, of both camps that think that for what it is, Flash Gordon is actually the better representation of of science fiction for that, for that era. Uh, given that you're talking about a film that was, that was pulled out of the old, you know, 1930s pulp serials that were so popular in, in, in the depression. And it, I think it captured that look pretty well. Now as filmic entertainment of the eighties, it, yeah, it may not have aged all that well, but I don't think that if you were to do a flash Gordon film today, it would have the same impact that this one did because of what it was, because of how it was made. Because I I think Flash Gordon today would just be another science fiction film. Mm. I really do. I I don't think it would be labeled as unique because... Yeah, I agree. agree, Who do you get to do the soundtrack now? 
There's no fucking way this thing is going to be anywhere oh. near as epic without Queen's participation in it. Well, I mean, but you've also got movies like Dune that were remade, and people still like the old one better mm-hmm. than the new one. This is true. Well, I, I think I do. And, th- and yes, but, but Flash Gordon... And it's so weird because there's so many parallels there between because I know that they were originally going to get try to get Pink Floyd to do the score and they had originally tapped Pink Floyd to do the score for the original Dune and and hmm. Dino De Laurentiis did both Flash Gordon and Dune he was a producer on both of them hmm. so there is some genetic material there that they share um, and Dune was more of a product of a very popular novel whereas it didn't really have an established look up until that film got made. Whereas Flash Gordon was had always been kind of in a visual medium. The comic strip had been around for decades. The tell you know the, the movie serials had been around since you know the beginning of film basically for yeah, for 30s, for all intents yes. and purposes. And they captured. Mm-hmm. I think they really captured the iconography. the The production design was very close when you when you look at some of the stage designs and costume designs. They don't. They don't deviate all that far from how the original, you know, Buster Crab serials look. The costumes are pretty much identical, out, other than the fact that mm-hmm. Buster Crab's Flash Gordon was a polo player and not a football player. Hmm. <laughs> okay, well then, so let me let me ask your take on this. Okay, I'm still a bigger fan of the 1960s Star Trek. I don't watch the newer one, and yet there's people who tell me. That sacrilege, and then some people who totally agree with me. What are your thoughts? As far as the Chris Pine ones, or are you talking about when they started making films in the in seventy nine? Well, I mean, not just the films, but the TV shows as well. Don't watch them. I mean, I still, I still love Leonard Nimoy and, mm-hmm. and William Shatner. Yeah. in the original, um, you know, in the original Star Trek. But then, you know, you've got like this whole legion of people who loved like the you know, series after series after series and, and all the things that spun off of, you know, the newer version of Star Trek. Right. Well, with Picard and all that. Well, yeah, yeah. See, okay. Now that I will agree with you on that. I never got into next generation as a television series. Mm -hmm. I I just, it, it never really grabbed me. Uh, And I could take or leave any and all of the films that the Star Trek next generation cast were involved in. We tried watching Picard, on CBS All Access, and I'm just like, I just don't have an emotional investment in this, and it's boring the shit out of me. It was boring me, too. And I I have to say, I really, really loved the old ones. I remember watching the old ones on Channel 39, all of those reruns yep. as a little kid. and uh, Yeah. Before 39 became Telemundo, yes. Right. And, uh, yeah, the, it took me a really long time to even like... Uh, Picard, because I always loved the actor that plays him. I always loved Patrick Stewart in other movies that I'd seen in the past. And I was like, well, he's a, he's a good actor. I'm going to give this a try. And it took me forever to even know the new characters' names on The Next Generation. I never watched any of the other ones after that. But I enjoyed a couple of the new movies. But my probably favorite Star Trek film with the old cast was um, 
either number four with the whales or number six, which I think it was their last one is a, a complete cast together. The Undiscovered Country. I yeah, The Undiscovered true. Country. Um, because I always loved what Star Trek represented that if, and we've had this conversation before, Chad and I, about I love Roddenberry's take on everything mm-hmm. of if we could yes. all just work together and stop stop trying to kill each other and actually start working together, we'd all have a lot better future. <laughs> have a, a utopian society rather than the dystopian society that we always get in movies like Judge Dredd and Blade Runner and Demolition Man and shit. Which I'm afraid might be more realistic than Star Trek. Yeah. Sad but true. We're headed more to Mad Max than Star Trek. Okay, well, there's another one. Now, that's, okay, the original Mad Max. Mm. With our favorite uh, crazy actor. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, he, I mean, but look at his career. I mean, he went from, you know, this, like, underground Australian actor to a, a monolith of acting and production. And then, you know. What happened, happened. skits for a hot minute. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then now he's back. Now mm-hmm. he, but he's back in a whole bunch of films and, like, a lot of bit parts. Um, but in any case, uh, Mad Max is, is also one that I remember when I first saw it, I was actually very disturbed by it, like really disturbed. Like it was because it felt it felt realistic, like, you know, all the violence and the rape scenes and stuff. It really hit me very hard. And but then, you know, Mad Max Fury came out and I was like, well, this is fun to watch, but it didn't. It didn't hit me the same way that the original Mad Max did. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm kind of of the opposite mindset. <laughs> like, uh, yes, it was disturbing, and like you know, you you the whole, you had the 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 eerie sensation that you know Mad Max and Road Warrior that wow, this shit could really happen. And then they got to be on Thunderdome, and then I think they kind of drove into the ditch with it no pun intended but you know it's i just don't think the script was all that great for for beyond thunderdome and i'd kind of lost interest in it and i passed on mad max fury road and then i don't know i can't remember if I, if we rented it or if it, we just waited till it came on you know hbo or whatever but when i saw it i'm like jesus christ why the hell didn't i go see this in a theater because just knowing that not only did George Miller come back to direct that film in his 70s, because this is the guy that started the ball rolling. I mean, mm. George Miller has been the director of every single one of them. And to know that all of those effects were pretty much done in camera mm-hmm. with practical effects. He avoided CG at all costs. He wanted everything to be done live in camera on the set. And it showed like he had. Cirque du du Soleil performers doing some of the stunt work and shit. It's like, to me, Fury Road is maybe a pinnacle of filmmaking because that movie got nominated for so many awards. I think they lost track. Mm. Oh no, it actually saved Warner Brothers. Yeah, it did. It saved Warner Brothers that year because they they'd had a few bombs. But I mean, there were some really good effects. I mean, Tom Hardy was like scary like mm-hmm. his character was scary not like the original one the original one you weren't scared of him like he was sort of like the hero mm-hmm. tom hardy's character was the anti-hero, the anti-hero yeah charlene mm. 
Theron, Charlize Theron's character was like totally not expected. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, frankly, short of her shaving her head, she didn't cut her hand off for it. That was like pretty much the only CG. But I mean, it really was an incredible film. But I thought visually it was a stunning film and f- more fun to watch. The original one was the one that kind of it was a it was a gut punch. Kind of scooped, kind of spooked it, you. It gave yeah. you it gave you a background to his character. It get like yeah. like I say with the with the Marvel films and stuff. I'm like the reason I can actually enjoy those, even though I'm not a comic book person. Mm-hmm. Is because the characters, you understand their motivation. You kind of, you could see why he became the person he was. All these terrible things happened to him in his life. And he, right. you know, he gets put into that situation. He doesn't choose it. And that may be what what you got out of it, too. Not realizing that that was really the reason that that movie got to you so much is because you could see that he had a family and he, you know, all this terrible stuff happened to them. But, uh, yeah, I, I have to say, I probably preferred the older ones as far as, um, the characters and the storyline. The new one was mostly, they, they stayed on the road the entire time. I mean, I know it's called Fury Road, but they weren't kidding, were they? I yeah. mean, the whole story is, well, let's run over here for a few miles. Let's turn around and run back. And I guess that's why I didn't like Beyond Thunderdome. There was too much talking. Well, I kind of liked Thunderdome. <laughs> there was just there was just too much chatter going on. Just let's let's get to let's get to some car chases and things going blowy uppy. That's all I'm watching for. Well, there you go. Can I tell you the only reason I even vaguely remember that film? And to me, it totally, it, it went off the, the deep end. Like it, it just, it, it went off the rails for me, but I wanted to see it because of Tina Turner. Yeah, Cause uh-huh. you want to see how it, Tina Turner could pull off that chain mail outfit. Yeah. It had nothing to do with the original film in, in my opinion. And it had a kick-ass theme song. Yeah. If nothing else, we don't need another hero. It was very, very memorable. But that's to me that kind of that almost overshadowed that film. Mm-hmm. That it became more about the fact that Tina Turner was in it rather than it was Mad Max Three. And it I was actually just, thought exactly. I thought she did a great job. I did too. I, I did was too. looking forward yeah. to seeing her do more movies. Master and... Blaster runs Bada Town is all yeah. I can ever freaking hear uh-huh. echoing in my head. No, she was she was pretty epic in that. I'm she not was. gonna lie, but she it, did she it, did hold her own pretty well. She did. But it it let's not. Let's not, you know, fake this. Um, it, it, she kind of took it away. Like, she, I don't know. I guess her being in it, for some reason to me, I felt like we were no longer part of the original, like, Mel Gibson trilogy at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, to me, it would almost have been like, and I know we're kind of jumping out of our, our time frame here, but, and I don't know if you realize this, but it would almost have been like if they had gone with their original casting choice in The Fifth Element. Because you know that part that Chris Tucker plays in The Fifth Element? Or, or have you, please tell me you've seen The Fifth Element. I have. Okay. Yeah. Chris Tucker's the role. is the best to me. Yes. Chris Tucker's role was originally written for Prince. Stop. Yes, ma'am. Jean-Paul, Gaultier, Jean-Paul Gaultier was doing the wardrobe. I mean, I've, yeah. I've seen the sketches for it. That you know, would have been so yeah. cool. So I'm afraid, oh, and, I, and no. I'm afraid because I think it was because his Diamonds and Pearls tour was kicking up and he just didn't have time to film. He's like, I'd love to, but I can't. I've, just, I've got too much of my own shit going on. So okay. it wound up going to Chris you, Tucker. You could turn back time. If you could turn back time. No shit. <laughs> would, you have, would you have put him 
in that film. Would we be talking about Bruce Willis and Prince in the same film? Yes. At this at now, if we could turn back time. Mm-hmm. I, but but see again, I think it, we would have had another Tina Turner situation on our hands. Oh, he would have taken it over. It would have been even though he was mm-hmm. a guest starring role, he wasn't the the you know yeah. the lead actor. Well, because yeah. knowing him, he would have wanted to write a lot of the music. Exactly. Which would I, have I made think, it. Which oh, would have made true. the soundtrack huge. Yes. You know? <laughs> but then the movie would have actually taken. Well, I don't know. Would the movie have been second to the soundtrack? Possibly. And, and who cares at this point? I mean, it, that would have been fantastic. I mean, nobody cares that wow. Purple Rain, the film, uh, is, you know, I really feel like it was below the soundtrack because the soundtrack was, wow. Oh, I mean, the soundtrack to Purple Rain, I still listen to it to to this day. And sometimes I will catch myself just here by myself listening to that music and I will find myself getting into the music so much that I forget where I'm, what I'm even doing. I'm like, you're walking down the hallway with laundry in your arms, jamming mm-hmm. <laughs> to this music like it's the first time you've ever heard it. And that's well, awesome, right? Well, I'm, I'm almost thinking that maybe the other reason, and maybe some executives thought better of it, because remember, this was the year after the sequel to Purple Rain. This yeah. was the year after Graffiti Bridge. That was pretty oh. bad. And that, that thing is bomb. better left unspoken about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an epic bomb. Yes. Like, yes. That was one of those films that even even movie historians are like, there was a second film? Even Prince historians are like, can we not talk about that right now? <laughs> yeah, that's like talking yeah. about a bad relationship you wish you'd never started. <laughs> Ew. Ew. Oh, we all have one of those, right? Or in, in at my, least one. Yeah, in my case, more than one. <laughs> and and there, there there are people there are people that have that have you know ripped apart under the cherry moon for years and years and years. And I I enjoy that film. I don't give a shit what anybody. I thought it was cute. And it's it's now you know celebrating its thirty fifth anniversary this year. If you're ready to feel all uber old, uh, but. Uh, that film, for all its flaws, is Citizen Kane compared to Graffiti Bridge. <laughs> God, Graffiti Bridge is bad. But that's okay. a different decade. That came out in the 90s. When so. someone like Prince can't even, you know, save it from the music standpoint. Because when I first started watching it with you, that's the first time I'd ever seen it. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, maybe... Just Prince being in it, I can look at it as maybe like one long music video. That's how most people see Purple and Rain anyway. I do. I sit, I love to put on Purple Rain when I'm doing my makeup or whatever to go out with you, dancing mm-hmm. or whatever. And uh-huh. I was like, I'd put on Purple Rain in the background, the film, and be watching it and listening to it because, wow, doesn't that movie make you feel like a kid? I mean, you <laughs> feel like a teenager when you're watching that stuff and you're like... Oh, but and I'm going out to an 80s event, so yeah, let me look at them and see how to do my hair again, because I forgot after all this time. Well, but you know, you didn't know about the third <laughs> film either. Which one? Sign of the Times. Yeah, but that's a concert film. But you didn't know about it, did you, until you married me? Probably not, right. but I was not But like you go this. to that one almost as much as Purple Rain when you're like getting dressed and get, you know we're getting ready to go out, because that album... Was really great. Good God, yeah. that yeah. was a great album. Have you ever seen that, Alex? Yeah. I have not seen it. No. Oh, good Lord, that's something yeah. we need to get Alamo to do. Yeah, that okay. would be fun. Well, if they if they ever open again, yeah. <laughs> it's 
studio <laughs> movie girls are, are shutting down, so they're, I think they're going to be – or was it Alamo Draft House? They're not shutting down. They're shut filing down. for bankruptcy protection, but they're still – I mean, they're they're actually building another movie theater in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Good. Alamo Draft I, House. I, I agree. I think – I think all movie theaters should be food, booze, and film. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. I agree with that. And no talking it, unless it's a unless it's a quarter long film that Alamo is hosting. Yes, and you there need you to go. try and talk to whoever you need to talk to, mm-hmm. and get them to start doing some of these old films that we all love so much. Uh, just like they did Purple Rain, we had so much fun doing that. It mm-hmm. was silly and it that was fun. Was and that's the third time I had done that. That's the third time I'd seen Purple Rain at the Alamo Draft House when oh, wow. I when we saw you, Alex. That's the third time I'd okay. been to a screening of that at Alamo. And I had just gone and done the one the month before. Are you ready for this? I'm oh. going to give you a hint. I'm going to give you a hint. Two hints. One I think we're going to need a bigger boat. Well, Alex, that's where we ran into you. We saw was that one with you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we we were was sitting next to you. Yes, yeah, we, we were sitting were... next to you. We decided to buy all the tickets at the same time. We saw Jaws, and then we found out they were doing Purple Rain, I thought. Or was it the other way around? It was backwards. Yeah, we did Purple Rain first, then we saw Jaws. Right, because we got there early for Purple Rain. How was that, though? Oh, it was great. It was great. Talk about a film that is aged perfectly. Oh, yeah, Jaws. Hold on. That's our version of the Rocky Horror Picture Show because people used to go when oh, I was yeah. growing up. They used to go on Friday night, midnight showing, and they would be all interactive, throwing popcorn at the screen, and you know, doing the time warp dance and getting all dressed up. Oh, that was totally, that's about, my time. I'm about okay, to freak her out. Oh yeah, I'm about, I'm about to freak you out, Alex. Mm-hmm. When I was freak in, me. when I was in the, <laughs> <laughs> when I was in the Navy. Uh, and I was stationed in, in Virginia Beach. I was part of the shadow cast for Rocky Horror Picture Show in Virginia <gasps> Beach. I played. I played Rocky. Shut up! I'm serious. <laughs> you are not talking. You are not talking to a Rocky Horror Picture Show virgin here, honey. Trust me. Whoa. I've seen that movie. I've seen that movie hundreds of times. Well, I've danced to it a thousand. So As have go. I. <laughs> I've always thought that Flash Gordon should have been the next one. That got the Rocky Horror treatment. Really, that, not, really that, not enough music to sing along to. Riff though. Raff is in the motherfucker. Yeah. So Riff Raff is is Prince Baron's uh, right hand man, Fico. Yeah. I, if if the, if there was a dress up to it, I would definitely go as Ornella Mucci's character. Hell yeah, yes, you'd be, be Princess Aura. The bomb. That would be fun. Yeah. We need to get yeah, you a dark wig to play. A, to play. I've got the Flash Gordon T-shirt, so. Okay. <laughs> Gotten. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go back. All right, and I'm not just going back. I'm going, not just going way back. Going way, I'm way, going way, way, way back. Okay. And I'm gonna I'm gonna plant a seed, and then we're gonna like Flash Gordon. We're gonna shoot fast forward. So, my first crush, ever, 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 ever. Lee Majors, six million dollar man, <laughs> circa. 1973 i was eight years old and i think i found my first hormone at that age because as an eight-year-old to have this really like weird crush on lee majors whoa but watching that show i actually hated jamie summers i was angry (laughs) because she got to kiss uh steve austin 
and I had the Bionic Man doll. As did I. Million Dollar Man game, and I still have them. <laughs> yes, it is an unnatural obsession. I admit it. But hey, I have good taste. What can I say? And see. I was such a Farrah Fawcett junkie, and then when I found out that he was married to her, I hated his guts. <laughs> okay, so we're all on the same so boat here. Okay, now yeah. I'm going to fess up to something that's really going to crack y'all up. Oh, boy. You oh remember God. you remember that terrible show that we probably all are guilty of watching at some point, The Dukes of Hazard. Mm-hmm. Uh, <gasps> my first crush when I was nine years old was John Snyder. I thought he was just the dreamiest no! thing ever. Oh, yeah, I did. I just had this crazy thing for him. I was like, oh, no! he's adorable. And my parents were looking at me like, oh, shit. You, it's going to start why? already. Do you know why? Because your mother was in fear that you were in love with a redneck. Yeah. <laughs> She hadn't met your mother. <laughs> uh, I was about to say, my mama is a redhead. Exactly. <laughs> I guess the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Uh, oh, yeah, that's scary, isn't it? <laughs> okay, but, but now if you look at him, he is actually like a very well-respected actor. Uh, note to self, where's Tom Wopat? Nowhere to be found. Don't know. I mean, I guess a lot of girls had a crush on him, and he was able to keep a some type of career going after all these years. Did y'all ever watch Smallville? Uh, he was in that, right? He was Jonathan Kent. Well, see, I was out of him by the age of, oh, gee, I don't know, 10? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, like, of all the places for him to show up, he pops up yeah. in, his, in a Superman story. Yeah. I was eight years old when I fell in love with Lee Majors. I am now 55 and I still love that old fart. And he is still <laughs> hot in my eyes. Even though I think he's married to someone who's like, I don't know, 20? I, I don't know. Like, it's it's weird. I got to I got to rub elbows with him. I got to meet him and talk to him once uh, at, a, at, at some sort of a convention or, or of some sort. Heck, we can kind of run down the list because I've done that with Sam Jones as well. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh, yeah. yeah. Sam Jones is yummy. However, now I'm going to say this. So $6 million man for its time for TV was at best pretty good because, you know, a lot of it was slow motion and it, it made you feel like they were doing something really epic. And now you watch it and you're like, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> like, there, there aren't even words. It's just a huge sigh of pain. Because <laughs> it's just so bad. But back then, I was like, I thought I could do stuff like that. I would play with my cousins, and we would, like, run in slow motion and go, and we would do our own, like, our own sound effects and our own slow motion effects. And we thought we were really cool. But you were I'm, cool. Just, <laughs> we will on. defend your right well, to call yourself okay. cool. <laughs> I, we I talked about before. that last week. Uh-huh. <laughs> and see, I, and I look at the, I look at, you know, Ferrigno, a guy that I met at the same event that I met Sam Jones at. Mm. Uh, Ferrigno and Bixby's The Incredible Hulk the exact same way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you you knew as soon as his eyes turned white and he got that grimace on his face like he was, was trying on. to pass a kidney stone, yeah. shit yeah. was about to get real. That's right. But when shit got real, but, it got real slow. <laughs> but, but it was redone. So which one do you like? The original or the new Hulk? Which new Hulk? Because that's like a 
full on genre now with all the superheroes. Oh, oh, you're talking about like Ruffalo's version of Hulk. Yeah. Oh, I I was like, I I thought they did a TV show that I didn't know about. No, no, no. The original TV show with Lou Ferrigno was epic. I mean, I loved Bill Bixby. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. And, but I kind of like, I don't know, like the new Hulk. I'm like, that's nice, but I don't feel anything. See, is it weird? I went through that a lot. See, I'm again, I'm the, I'm the polar opposite because the Hulk that we're seeing on screen now in the MCU is so much more like the Hulk I grew up reading. The one that Ferrigno played, not so much because, mm-hmm. you know, for Hulk was on screen on an average episode about three minutes. Mm. It was mostly Bill yeah. Bixby walking around look, Bixby. with a backpack looking real forlorn with sad piano music playing on the background as he's hitchhiking down the shoulder of the road. Uh, and, you know, Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. Yes, Mr. McGee, piss him off so some shit can happen. Yeah. Because this shit's dragging. And, you know, and then he shows up and he flips over a car in slow motion and pushes over a rock. And, you know, Bill Bixby walks down the road with sad music playing again. So, okay. <laughs> Thanks for that. Well, okay, you know, well, I loved Wonder Woman in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Oh, nothing will ever replace Linda Carter. But oh. I have to give it to Gal Gadot. I have to. Oh, she's great. She's great at it. But, you know, when I was a little girl, I used to think Linda Carter was just the prettiest thing I'd ever seen. She was. She and, still is. And uh, note to self, WW84, the last uh-huh. five seconds of the film that she was in it, to mm-hmm. me, was the best five seconds of that entire film because I was very disappointed oh, with me WW84. Too. That, me that film too. was, hot. That film was, was hot trash. It was awful. And I look at it and I'm like, this is just a waste of some really great actors it had a it had a pretty good cast and they gave them absolutely nothing to work with and setting it in 1984 and they did nothing with setting it in 1984 right that could have happened today yeah honestly that oh. that i don't think they capitalized on yeah. putting it in the 80s at all no they didn't I, I agree short short of like that small moment where he kept trying on like vans and yeah eyes yeah. polo shirts and stuff because her character wasn't dressed that way, there wasn't enough music, and the fact that it was all right about there. wishes, that, I was like... Right there, Alex, stop. the soundtrack. To me, stop. they, they yeah. missed the boat on the oh, soundtrack. Oh, yeah, they could have went crazy with that music. Let's go crazy! Uh-huh. That's right, they sure could have. Uh, if they wanted to, they should have spent the money on that instead of the bad whatever storyline, yeah. what, whoever... Whoever wrote that screenplay, oh, jeez. It's the producer's cousin okay. or something. But, you know, now that we're talking about older movies and, and soundtracks, I mean, what about, like, um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Like, how would that movie play to today's audience? I mean, because I love it because I remember seeing it as a kid, you know? And I loved the music. I still love the music from that movie. I love the music from Valley Girl, even though um, Chad's not a big I fan love, of Valley Girl, but I love it. I oh, love, love the, the score. Yeah, I love the, the soundtrack. Remake, the remake of the of uh, the original was amazing. I loved it. And I'm I'm from the Valley. I grew up in Hollywood. I grew up with that scene. Uh, that that film was just about right. Like it it really hit on a lot. It was over dramatized. Yes. But it hit on a lot of really good stuff. Note to self, the remake. Why, why, and why? <laughs> never bothered. Never bothered to see it. I was like, don't mess with one of my favorite childhood movies. 
Y. <laughs> big capital Y with a big capital exclamation point question mark why <laughs> with a and wtf then, after it you know in some of those movies that we grew up watching and we still love to go back it's like it's like visiting an old friend isn't it you know like you put that old movie in that you haven't so seen yeah. and and you're like oh wow i remember the friends i had when i saw this the first time and we talked so about true. it at school or we talked about it at our part-time jobs or whatever we had going on at the time and it was it's like it really is. Just like music is like that. You put on an old uh, soundtrack to a movie or, or even just like an old Journey CD even. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, wow. Who were my friends back when this was on the radio for the first time? What was I doing the first time I heard that song? And I've heard Jad say this a million times about the first time you ever heard the song Kiss. Mm-hmm. You were in your car. Was my, no, I was in my mom's car. Oh, you were in your mom's car. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, there it is. You hear that song and you're like, it just, it just <laughs> time warps you back to that exact moment of... When this was the shit, I mean, this was all you cared about because that's all you had to care about. In that same car ride, in that same car ride, when Kiss ended, Frankie Goes to Hollywood's Relax came on. Oh, yeah. (laughs) With my mom in the car driving. What is he singing about? Don't make me explain this to you, mother. Please don't make me explain this. You're older than me. You should know. You should know this. Uh, let's just hey there's let's let's listen to anything else right now because i just got really uncomfortable in this car but uh so by the way i i I do want to touch on this and i don't know if it will ever 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 come out because it's been like a good three years and it was pre-covid so uh mark Wahlberg actually remade six million dollar man into a film called the six billion dollar man but it is nowhere to be found yeah it was never released yeah hmm. i so, knew it was being made I, I couldn't remember who was in it oh no hmm. marky mark mark marky mark hmm. steve austin lee majors never saw that coming thinking it might be one of the signs of Armageddon, just saying. <laughs> as, as our friend Marcus on his, on the, that nerd always puts it, it's, just, it's, it's his sign of the apocalypse for the week. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. It is one of the signs of the times. Yep, well, I mean, I'm sure people were kind of saying the same thing, like in the, you know, the 19, late fifties version of the fly. And then, you know, Jeff Goldblum redid it and it hit a whole new generation of people. And it was actually not as bad as I expected it to no. be. No. Well, Cronenberg you, you directed it, really, so you knew it was going to be a mind fuck. You felt really yeah, bad for, sure. for him, you know? You felt really bad for the character of the fly. Of, of Seth Brundle. Do you remember who produced that film? No. It's going to mess your mind up when I tell you this. Do you remember, Alex? No. Mel Brooks. I'll be darned. Huh. Mel Brooks produced. Now talk no. about a yeah. talk about a filmmaker who no. would have a tough time getting his movies oh, done yeah. these days. Good luck getting Blazing uh, Saddles made in 2021. Blazing Saddles or History of the World Part One, which I think both of those films are so funny, and and I hate that there's Mel a Brooks? yeah that I mean wow yeah. Uh, of course, we love we love Young Frankenstein, and anybody that's seen it, I can't imagine that they don't love Young Frankenstein. Uh, you know what? Backtracking a bit, Alex, uh, it says that the six billion dollar man is actually still in pre production. Oh, so they haven't even started. So they haven't yet. abandoned it. Yeah, 
Well, but hmm. that was back in like 2018. Yeah, it was. It was it's in starting the, to be filmed. Yeah, it was on the planning stages. It's being directed by Travis Knight, the guy that directed the last Transformers film, Bumblebee. That wasn't bad. No, not at all. I thought it yeah, was going to be how really bad. That go? Yeah. How it actually okay. pretty well. Hmm. It actually. All right. It might have actually saved the Transformers franchise. Something needed to. Yeah, that, no was, shit. that was getting pretty bad. Let's let's. Killed by, like, ironically Shia enough, LaBeouf. Marcus Marcus Wahlberg. Mm. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf went away. Megan Fox went away. It turned into something. It, it almost became sort of like the graveyard of what's... <laughs> Where careers go to die. Hey, that's why there's the Expendables, okay? <laughs> that, that, come on, let's be real. No, that's, that's where, where dead careers go to get resurrected. <laughs> that's one last I, shot. I personally love um, the franchise at the Expendables. I really do because it's got everybody I used to have a crush on. <laughs> they were doing, like, they were going to do one I similar with women. Steve Austin. Mm. Like Lee Majors was the only missing factor in that film. <laughs> There's, we, we need to, we, we, she needs to go see somebody about this Lee Majors fetish. No, no, I don't. I'm fine with my issue, okay? And, and, and he's lucky I don't, like, psychostalk him, okay? <laughs> he might like it, you no know? Shit. All I know is if, if there is an Expendables 4, I'm going to be, like, a little losing my shit because <laughs> I've got this thing for Jason Statham. I've got this thing for Sam Jones. I've got this thing for Jet Li. Like, you know, and I kind of have a, I'm starting to get a thing for Bruce Willis and I don't know why. Um, but in any case, uh, like I just go there and maybe it's because they're older than me and that makes me feel young and good and I can be a trophy <laughs> wife next to any of them. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't I? know. I have to address the uh, Bruce Willis thing. Are you really wanting to, um, I don't know, date a jerk because, you know. <laughs> It's almost like dating Mel Gibson at this point. He always comes across to me as being such a jerk. I don't know. (laughs) I've heard nightmare stories about that guy. Yeah. I I don't know. I I don't know. But for what what it's worth, I mean, you know, it's it's just one of these things like it is the graveyard of all action film heroes that have now become B-movie stars. Hmm. Yeah. However, I find it weird that Jason Statham is in it because I think he's still doing films. No, yeah, he's doing yeah. another. He's doing another Meg, which I can't wait for. Oh, that was really good with popcorn for like eleven minutes. <laughs> like I think he's got a yeah. film coming out like like soon, like very soon. Well, I'll watch it. I'll I, pay money to see it. Like, yeah. I, like I think it's already like on a couple of platforms. Let me see here. Because I, I kept seeing him pop up in the in the in my timeline on Facebook as this movie was getting ready to drop. Let yeah, me I mean he's he's not that um, he's not that old. I mean I can't imagine that he's not still going. I think he's in his forties. Yeah, I mean he's he's a good age to do any of that kind of. Yes, stuff. Wrath of Man comes out May seventh. Huh. Oh, okay, can't wait. Yeah, he's, he's in it. He's in <laughs> it with uh, Scott Eastwood and Josh Hartnett of all people. Oh. Huh. Directed by Guy Ritchie. Huh, that might be good. Oh. So we might okay. want to make it a point to go see this thing. Yeah, we might want yes, to see that. Yes, because Guy Ritchie, 
lock, stock, and two smoking barrels uh-huh. with Jason Statham back in what the very early two thousands. Oh, uh, you go back farther than that with Guy Ritchie and 90s? Jason Statham with this with Snatch. Oh, that's right. So that was what late nineties. Mm-hmm. Had to have been. It was right around the same time. Maybe like a couple okay. of years after Pulp Fiction. Because hmm. Shannon hadn't seen it until just recently. I, like I kind of sat her down and had her watch oh. that. Hmm. By the way, Pulp Fiction should never be remade. Nope. That needs to stay undone. Snatch came out in 2000. That- 2000 on the nose. Okay. Love that freaking okay. movie. Yeah. No, I think Guy Ritchie films are actually pretty damn decent. Until mm-hmm. you got to the one he made with his wife at the time. Madonna. The, the one where they were shipwrecked on an island and shit. Well, you know, I don't even know if that was... That oh. comes back. That comes back to the script again. The story was just not interesting enough to make you want to watch it. Well, then, and then that that remake he did of Robin Hood was shit, absolute who was, shit. Who was in that one? In the Robin Hood? Uh huh. Uh, oh, not uh, well. Well, the, the king, no, not Robin. King Arthur. King Arthur. Oh yeah, I was. You know that was that, that was your boy oh. from. Uh, from uh, yeah. Sons of Anarchy. Yes, and he is kind of a secret little crush I have. He's <laughs> he's a really nice looking guy. The guy who was on Sons of Anarchy. Help me with his name. I can't even remember it. I have a crush on him. I can't even remember his name. I'm starting to sound like a man in a nightclub now. <laughs> Charlie Hunnam, by the way. Charlie Hunnam. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yes. Charlie. He's kind that of a, a cutie. Show. Yeah. That was a good show. Well, I, I couldn't. It was hard to get through. The first season, though, because it was that was a pretty brutal show as well. It was oh, it sort was. of like today's version of Mad Max, really. Right. About it. No, I totally forgot that Guy Ritchie directed that remake of Aladdin with Will Smith as the genie. That was actually enjoyable. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot he directed it. that. I didn't remember Whoa. either. That didn't go down well with me. Uh, that, it, it wasn't I awful. Get the trailers. Yeah, I, I, I struggled the with the trailer myself. But well, it, you know, I expected it to be so bad. Yeah, I, I when I, I watched it, I was like, well, that wasn't that bad. But, yeah. you know, that's what you think about every appointment at a dentist's office or, you know, a lady doctor's <laughs> office. You're like, oh, I'm you dreading this, it. but, you know. Just, <laughs> Shemi, you just equated watching Aladdin <laughs> to a pap smear. <laughs> Doesn't that tell our audience now how bad it really was? Hey, it was, it, it was better it was, than a pap smear. It, it was better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it was better than a breast exam. I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe that's, it's not as bad as you thought. That's it was. the curve that yeah, we're going on. Exactly. Hey, I'd, I'd rather watch this movie than get a prostate check. So, <laughs> Jesus. Bar's really low there. Hey, what can I say? I'm just being honest. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Cut. Okay, so one of my favorite lines of the film, and I don't know why I still remember this, Rocky IV, Sylvester Stallone, Dolph Lundgren, who are now, of course, you know, in the, you know, action hero graveyard uh, franchise Expendables. I will break you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Favorite line of a film. I must, actually, I must break you. I think yeah. it I must break you. No, I think she's. I think she's right. I think she said I'll break you or something like that. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, my main line. I remember him is, "If he dies, he dies." I just remember. I just remember looking at that man's chest through the whole movie. I was like, "Good grief!" <laughs> was he not? With, was he with Brigitte Nielsen or was he with um, Grace, Jones. Grace Jones at the time? He, he, he was. He was. His his he was married to Brigitte Nielsen in the film, 
but he was actually with Grace Jones at the time. Are you talking about Dolph Lundgren? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. When she did Conan yeah. the Destroyer, uh-huh. she was dating him. Dolph Lundgren. Yes. Oh, I had no idea. Swear to God. Wow. Oh, wait a second. Was Tina Turner the the answer to Grace Jones and Conan? Like, you see what I'm saying? Kinda. You've got these like mega, yeah, monolith musicians. Well, I don't know. That's almost not a fair know. comparison. Because I really don't consider Grace Jones a huge. I, I mean, I know she did music, but I think of her more as a model actress than a singer. I know she did oh, songs. She still yeah. has a cult following. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We just did a, a European concert, I think, like just before COVID, and it sold out everywhere. Wow. I remember yeah. the only song I remember her doing really was the um, the song that was done by Roxy. The what is it? Toll of the Bells. She also did Demolition Man. The song? Yeah. Oh. Sting Sting was a cover of it. Hmm. Sting's Sting Sting's version in the movie was actually a cover of Great. I don't know if she did it originally, but I know I've seen a music video of her doing it. It was before Demolition Man came out. Hmm. I just um, I don't know if she's the original. That was singer. a great song. Yeah, and but, yeah, I, mean, I can't. She was uh, in the scene from like the late seventies, and now we're in. 2020s i mean come on that her cult status and i mean i don't know she's she's got that dorian gray thing going on she has an age yeah she's so, got some staying no, power I mean, if she's like a vampire or like what i mean that woman is freaking ageless well she did play a vampire but <laughs> she, she was in vamp I think her name was Katrina. Hey, I still remember her being in in Boomerang. Boomerang. <laughs> oh, she was hilarious in that. I don't know how she oh, said half no. that stuff with a straight face. Oh, I'm you know? sure there were multiple takes needed. Oh, uh, and she's when she's talking to Eddie Murphy about him being mad at her because she he won't have sex with her. I thought I was gonna fall out of my chair. I was <laughs> laughing so hard. He's like, "Would you stop saying that in public?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! Didn't um, didn't, speaking of Eddie Murphy, did he not do Vampire? Brooklyn yes, Vampire in Brooklyn, yes, and it actually was pretty funny. That was you know, a West Craven uh, film. That was a West Craven uh, film. Uh, oh gosh, he just we just lost him recently. John uh, Witherspoon. Yes, he was the guy that uh, first sees him on the boat when he shows up and he's turned into a wolf and killed everybody. You remember, and his and his nephew or whoever it was gets bitten, mm-hmm. and it gets turned into his his Renfield or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that was his ghoul. Yeah, his ghoul. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny actually. Oh yeah. my gosh, I'm gonna have to watch it because it has been it's been a hot minute, and I've yeah. seen probably a thousand films since then. So it's <laughs> yeah, kind of taking a back seat of like memorable films. Yeah, that might be one that we need to revisit. Well, I watch that kind of stuff every year coming up on Halloween. I will start usually in September, and it takes me that long to go through all of my favorites (laughs) (laughs) up until Halloween, you know? And then we start watching Christmas films because it takes us that long to get through all of our favorite Christmas films. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Unless you're on the Hallmark Channel and it's Christmas 24 Mm, hours a day. Not going to happen. No, we're not not really into the the Hallmark stuff. Get those sound effects again. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I'm not quite that old yet. <laughs> or desperate. <laughs> no. 
Well, guys, we have we we've approached the hour mark, so we probably need to start thinking about wrapping this thing up. But because uh, I don't want to go too long, although I know we probably can, we probably just need to label this one as just the trip down memory lane for movies, and maybe we just need to revisit uh, uh, music and TV at a little bit greater length. Because hey, maybe this is just part one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is just chapter one of a well, trilogy. Uh huh. Remember, there was no James without Bartles. that's right it all started with a shitty freaking wine cooler (laughs) you are the Bartle to my James Alex (laughs) we drove right into the friggin ditch hey but we're having fun and I hope everybody who's been listening to us is having fun because that's the whole point it is well, this, Alex, this was fun. Yeah, Alex, I can't thank you enough for 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 helping out, for joining us on this, and hopefully this is just the first of many because you know you're you're always you're always a treat to talk to, and I knew that this was right squarely in your wheelhouse. So uh, if we're going to do a, a follow up to this, it's going to have to be with you on board. So um, please, I'm, I'm totally game. I loved it. I appreciate you being gentle with me for my first time. Um, of course. You know, shenanigans, thank you for easing the pain. I love that's her nickname for you. Because uh, it, it works. It does you know? work. And I love the two of you. You are remarkable human beings. Um, talented, beautiful, cool, groovy, and collectively, I want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> Better get a DeLorean that goes over 88 miles an hour. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to make any age jokes, but you kind of forced me into a corner on that one. It's all good, honey. I'll tell you about my DeLorean experience next time. <laughs> well, again, Alex, thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, we, we love you so much. And, uh, we're, we're always happy to have you on board. So, um, uh, and, and for those of you listening, uh, we, uh, we love having you, uh, supporting us. I, I, I never dreamed that we would get the amount of feedback and support that we've gotten. I get goosebumps every time I look at, you know, how many people have listened. It just, it just blows my mind. Um, Yes, and we'd love to hear your stories yes. about your favorite music and your favorite uh, movies and experiences from your youth, <laughs> whenever that happened to be. Yeah, but, and, you know, we, <laughs> because that's the most fun about being old. You're like, oh yeah, I can sit back and say, yeah, when I was your age, I did this and I did that, and it was cool. <laughs> so, so please, guys, you know, d- drop us a line. You know, we we've got uh, you know, look for us at uh, Electric Jellyfish Podcast on Instagram, uh, on Facebook. Go to electricjellyfishpodcast.com. We've got a little. Uh, uh, section you can click on to leave us a voice message and we can actually pull that into the show and we can play it back during the show or just get reach out to us at electric jellyfish podcast at gmail.com if you'd like to be a part of this uh you know we've got many many ways where you can give us feedback or requests or if you want to join us we'd love to have you on you know we're and and where are you streaming all of this pretty much everywhere i mean you know uh Home base is, is through anchor.fm and they kind of push us out to all these different platforms. And we recently, yes, big, big fanfare. We, we wound up on, uh, on Apple podcasts, uh, and anchor is owned by Spotify. So we're easily found on Spotify. We're part of Google podcast. There's, uh, just, I 
I probably ought to have the list up in front of me so I can just spit them all out. But if if well, you if, just if, sound like a podcast whore, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a cheap one at that. Yes, he is. Well, <laughs> hey, <laughs> quiet you. Like the town bicycle, everybody's had a ride. Yeah, we're, we're, we're yeah. Everybody has a voice, but I've got mic control over here, so I can mute your asses. Mute. Don't 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 get sassy with me, ladies. But for all of you that was a part of this, thank you so much. Uh, we we love having you. We love having you listening. And if you continue listening, we'd really greatly appreciate that. So uh, until next time. Uh, for for Alex, thank you once again for joining us. For Shannon, thank you everyone for listening. <laughs> this has been Electric Jellyfish Podcast, where everybody has a voice. <laughs>